Hello, welcome to Harco Meets Humans, and it's time for the first return guest ever. It's <gasps> my one favourite, who I now know how to say her name, <laughs> Lavina. Everybody, hello. Am I the first return You're guest? You're the very first return guest. Wow, I'm honoured. Yeah, you should be. This oh, is thanks. a very prestigious podcast. Well, I mean, it's only been six months. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how long ago the first podcast was? We did the first podcast with me in the, at the beginning of July, basically, last year. Right. Right before I played a show with Foley. Right. Yeah. We should say that um, this was before – this was really early on the podcast when I was doing it at my flat. Yes, you hadn't moved here yet, and we got to cuddle the cat. Oh, it was brilliant. Kaya. I miss Kaya. Shout-outs to Kaya, big fan mm, of the podcast. Love her. She's <laughs> – <laughs> Um, and well, it, but it's crazy that it was only six months ago because, and this is like the reason I thought it was a great idea to get you back on and actually give you the proper comfortable couch experience, give Ooh. you some water, mm. you get to hang out. Um, is because like s- e- almost everything we talked about in that in, in that <laughs> interview, I'm doing air quotes in the yes. air there, um, has like kind like kind of happened. Or like changed in some way. So I thought that was like a really interesting thing because it, it um you're you were independent then and you're still independent now. It's true. And you were you were working really hard then. Yes. And you're still working really hard now. I am. <laughs> but like so much changed. In yes. That sort of thing. I think that's like a really for me that's like how it works. Mm. Things just kind of catch sometimes. Mm. Um how's it felt for you? It is really weird to look back on because I remember talking to you and I felt quite like disheartened and I didn't know what was going on and I like you hit me at a really anxious time um, in the last podcast and I think you can hear it if you listen to it. I just mm-hmm. am like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Right. Um, and it it's really encour- it's been really encouraging six months. I'll, I'll put it that way because all of the things that I had been working towards for like a year or so or more had sort of all happened and some, and it's felt quite monumental the last six months. So let's like list some stuff off. The, is the, did the EP come out in this in that period? The EP came out just before that. Right. But what I've what have I done? I got I think it was literally the week after. I did the podcast with you. I got my first round of funding ever, which is awesome. Shout yep. out New Zealand on air. Um, I also, yeah. So I then moved on to like plan my music video, make made my first music video. Um, and that did like, the video did surprisingly like well for like, you know, a, an independent first music video. Don't, like I still have, I'm growing my fan base. So not that many people like outside of my reach would have, sort of heard it or seen it or anything but I got like you know on the news and I got like an RNZ premiere and like that was really exciting for me because that was stuff I hadn't had before um and then I got to do a a bunch of cool stuff um through the like producer development thing I was doing got to like record the Auckland Philharmonic Orchestra I got to like sit in on a session with like someone who I really admires like a very like sort of prolific producer and like like taught me a lot and then on top of that I also got a second round of funding at the end of the year for another song of mine, which I've just finished planning the video for and another round of funding to produce my friend's EP. And so I get to like project manage that book studios, books, musicians, make sure it all gets done and then produce it as well. So it was just all these opportunities. And then after that, I played R and V. So look at me go. Look at you go. Yeah. How does it feel 
how do you feel now? Like, is it has it really changed anything? Is it just kind of like a in the moment feeling? You just like you can yeah. How I don't feel personally like it's changed too much. I think I, a lot of the frustrations feel very similar, um, but I can't help but look back on those things and just be like, okay, no, I see things slowly 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 shifting a little bit does it help with the confidence or any or like that kind of stuff yes but it's also brought on like a whole nother level of me rethinking myself and like being like oh my what am i doing in what What way um i don't know i think you know how you, you get nervous before you jump off something if you're going like I don't know, swimming and you're jumping off like a two meter high rock or something. Everyone's got a little like, yeah. Um, I think that's what I'm doing right now because I'm going to, you know, try and get even further this year. And I'm really like, Bleh. so you feel like you're, you, you have the feeling you're at the start of the next thing, the start, a start of something again, like ready to jump off. Yes. But I feel like the start of what I'm like, I, th- I feel like the jump will be me putting effort in rather than things actually happening. Because there's a great chance that I try really hard this year to do a bunch of things and none of them eventuate because it's kind of up to other people. But yeah, you can't really control that. No, I can't. So I feel like the jump is more like me putting all the effort in. Yeah, right. And like bracing for potential rejections and like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who knows. But yeah. And is, how, did, how do you feel musically then? Uh, like... Has the music side, like, have you, you know, in terms of what you're making or yeah. in terms of, like, what you've put out and what you're planning on putting out, like, has any of that changed with the with more ears on what you're doing and all that stuff? Yeah, it has. It's changed. It has changed. I think in the last sort of six months as well, I've expanded what I listen to back to stuff I used to listen to when I was, like, younger. My brother was like a what? crazy influence on me and I listened to the most ridiculous stuff. Not ridiculous, but... I used to listen to a lot of like, um, like REM and um, the Eels and Fountains of Wayne and like all nice. these crack up old like older bands, um, and then yeah, I've also just been listening to like a way wider genre spanning scope of music than I used to, um, and I don't know if it's necessarily changing the genre of what I'm doing, but it is changing the production quite a lot. So I'm going back to some more experimental like kind of screw you to the radio type vibes um some of the songs like two of the songs in particular i played at rnv i finished the week before rnv and we just like mixed the stems and like went with it um and they're just like a little bit more wild and out there than you haven't heard oh no i did play you one yeah yeah. you did hear one i like the idea of like knowing you and and wondering what your idea of wild and out there is you know what i mean like i, I like yeah that. it is pretty you you won't remember it i remember it okay. it's the one you played at crumb yeah right yeah yeah well, i liked it, it was yeah bouncy thanks. yeah yep <laughs> I, I use bouncy the term like upbeat yes it you know is I mean? way like, more upbeat than i what, what i was doing um yeah. but yeah it is definitely a new age of lavina stuff yeah, well, I've like I've always said, you're like the musician. You're like a musician-y pop star. Yes. Thank you so much, Benji. No. <laughs> Benji just brought me a coffee because mm-hmm. I've had a tired day. Thanks, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, and I think that I can always imagine your because your taste and input are gonna change, as you say, constantly. Yeah. So I, I feel like your music is gonna change as because you're. 
output is kind of based on what you want your out, what sounds good to you yeah. as opposed to quite often if you, if people are full spectrum pop the output has to kind of be thought about as to like what should the output be mm. so it's harder to change it, it changes less over time i think that's kind of a fair thing to say i think interestingly another thing that's influenced like a massive change in terms of how i'm approaching writing and recording is the fact that the last 6 months of 2020 I really like fell back in love with like live studio recording as opposed to like sitting there alone programming beats like right. kind of vibe. Like I, I got the opportunity to record um, a band and it and was phenomenal. This is through the Parachute Producer series? Is yeah. that what that was? Yeah. Uh, producer Development. Producer series. Development. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, one of the things was I got to record like a um, like indie band. I did Daffodils. It was great. So much fun. Shout out Daffodils. Shout out Daffs. Best friends, love them. Um, and then I also got to record, you know, Strings and Brass. And then I got to assist in a session for like a band I'm not sure the name of. Um, I think they're from Wellington, but like with like Greg Haver and a couple of other people. And friend of the podcast, Greg Friend Haver. of the podcast. Um, but I learned so much from being in those settings and also it just made me approach things way differently. And now when I listen to songs and I listen to people like Phoebe Bridges and that kind of stuff, I'm like not envisioning someone writing a song alone and like programming stuff. I'm envisioning like a, a process that was like quite well laid out and quite well scored and like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think I'm trying to bring a bit of that into what I do as well, rather than just doing everything in my cans on my desk. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, it's such a different energy with other people in the room so as different. well, right? Mm. Yeah. Can you have imagined having like a full-time Lavina band that you like essentially are like orchestrating as the main person and, and all the thing? Or are you thinking you just work with other people or? Uh, in terms of recording? Recording, like producing Lavina music. I think I still just want to work with like lots of different people. Um, right at the moment, my go-to is my one of my best friends, Harry Charles. Um, he is my drummer live. And he helps me with all of that. Um, but also because we've been playing live together, he's started to really, really understand what I want out of production. And so it's meant that he's become a great producer for me to work with alongside Struan and some of these other people because he really like gets the live vibe. And so two of my new songs, um, Harry's done. And I can see myself like continuing to work with him kind of like a Phoebe Bridges, Marshall Vaughan kind of vibe. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it will to some people. Yeah, yeah um, no, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'm, I'm pretty comfortable to just bring my band in for live stuff. I don't think I would ever like, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd want just to play with random people if I was recording. Like I love my band. It might be fun to just drag in some, some randoms though. Because I find that really interesting. Like... <clears throat> For me personally, with all the production stuff I'm doing now, like the most interesting thing for me is to, the intention is to work with, a, to be the producer involved with a whole array of artists, to yeah. actually produce a whole bunch of different stuff. And like, I think it's a really good thing, um, an advantage for you in the way that you're doing it as well. Because I, I just see like working with different producers for, for one project is only going to create like not only like interesting single songs, but also that each one that happens informs the next one and the next one because they kind of bump around. They're all in the same universe. Mm. And I think that that's one of, there's a theory that I have that that's one of the huge advantages of like hip hop as a genre because mm. they utilize that kind of separation of an artist and a producer to like essentially put together different puzzles at high speed over and over 
that influence one another and all that. Whereas like the rest yeah. of the genres are kind of like, I have my band and we do this and we do it every time. And it's just about what different ideas we have each time as opposed to who's actually involved in the process. Mm. Yeah, I do think one of the most inspiring things for me when I'm writing is writing with new people that I really click with. And mm. so, yeah, some of my best songs have just been stuff I've come off with off the bat with someone I just met. Like, yeah. So I definitely think it, there's something to be said about that for sure. You're, you seem very comfortable in the session system of like making songs, like being yeah. in with like essentially like writing with people and producing mm. with people and being in on these things, which I actually think is a lot, a lot more rare than I assumed it was. I think not many people actually feel quite confident and mm. capable of doing that. I think like long term though, that's what I want to be doing. Like Lavina, the artist project is epic and I love it and it's so great but um like the longevity of being an artist is you know only over a decade or something like that and you can try make it span longer but who knows but like when that's passed I still want to be in rooms and I still want to be writing and I I actually compartmentalize like writing for myself in a session and writing for other people I love being in the room with other people I've written some of the coolest songs in the last six months with all these different artists and I can think about it completely differently. When I'm writing for myself in a session, I want to be working with a producer who knows me mm. and knows what I want and who I can trust to produce what I like. Um, and I find it really tricky being in rooms with producers that actually aren't making an effort to really understand what I'm doing. And right. Is that what some sessions can be like? Definitely. Some sessions can absolutely be like that. And there are so many songs I've written that are on the back burner just because something was a little bit askew um however when i'm writing for other people and i'm in the session um as a writer it doesn't really matter because it's not really my song so i just write the lyrics and help them craft it and hopefully they vibe it and it's great yeah do you think that that because you're essentially saying you're experiencing both sides Mm. and you kind of can see how it can fuck out yeah and and you're like cool i i know to not let that happen when I'm on this side. Yeah, and it's made me a better writer and a better producer because when I'm like writing for someone else, I can really gauge the artist-producer relationship and I can try and mediate that. And then also when I'm producing, I can like really check in with an artist and make sure that we're getting like the vibe right. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting being on all sides of that scenario. So what do you get out of playing live? Like why is Lavina also... Uh, yeah a live performance as well because you seem so passionate and so into the recording are you as passionate about the live performance side of it I would say I'm at this stage of where I am I'm almost more passionate about the live performance (laughs) side of it yeah like I've I got really burnt out with recording and writing right last year um and I have a lot of music that is like going to come out, but it's all stuff I've written over like 12 months and haven't really been moving very fast on just because I really needed a break. I overexerted myself way too much. Um, and I'm, I am really passionate about writing and sessions and all that kind of stuff. But like how fun is being on stage? Like I've always been a performer. I like my, I didn't play sports growing up. I was a dancer. Like I always sung with, various groups at high school I love being on stage and I love singing and I love performing for people and I think the songs are brought to life in such a different way when you get to sing them for people as opposed to just like creating something for someone to listen to on their own like I really love the environment of sharing my brain with people in person I love it it's so good and that's why I'm like trying to get more shows this year 
which of the songs takes on the uh, the like best its best new life in the live set? Like, which one are you like, man? This, I fucking love this live. Um, or is it just always the newest shit? You're like, nah, it's not. Interestingly enough, um, alone is really good live because. You listen, I know it's a bit of a weird one to listen to on its own, but when you see it live and the end bit comes in with the weird percussion that's like a photocopier clicking or something else, it gets real crazy and really hectic. And then when you watch it live, you're like, whoa. Um, and then also, If You Want, which is the final song on the EP I put out in June last year. Um, it's just, to me, it is, I wrote it as like a soppy love song when I was really in love. And so I find it really cheesy and really uncomfortable to play on stage, yeah. but people love it. Like I played it at R&V and I know of four people in the audience that were crying like the whole time. <laughs> um, so I think if you want as well, takes on a very different life. How, and how was your crowd? How was like, how was that set? Yeah, uh, it was good. It was good. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was interesting. I, Felt quite distracted when I was performing, um, but everyone who was there, it wasn't like a massive, massive crowd. It was probably like medium to small size, but everyone was really engaged and a lot of people knew all of the words. Wow. Um, and I think I'd probably prefer that over a big crowd that no one really cared. So I, that, yeah. that people were just partying at. Yeah, I had like a medium-sized crowd and everyone cared. So that was really cool. It's kind of the dream. Yeah, it was great. And you got on stage with for Leaping Tiger oh, as well. Oh, and that was epic. That was a big crowd. Um, and I closed his set off and it was just Sick. so much fun. Yeah. That's a good spot to be in, like, yeah. like alley-ooping a, um, a big show with just someone else. That one was funny, too, because we didn't, like, rehearse it or anything. He just, like, messaged me four days beforehand and was like, you still going to sing? And I was like, I guess so. And so I just, like, his set was, like, one person after mine. So right. I played my 40-minute set and then waited backstage and, like, made sure I remembered how the song went and, like, was listening to it through my phone and then got up on stage and sang it with him. And it was fun. It was so fun. Shout out, Jacob. Shout out, Jacob. Love you. How how was your experience at RMV as uh, with like an all New Zealand uh, lineup? Like in terms of like for yourself going and seeing X, but also like the vibe of the crowd stage to stage. Like I, I was really curious about whether I had assumed that the crowds at RMV aren't necessarily there for the music a lot of the time, mm. and I was really interested to see what to hear what um, they were like when the music wasn't just like big names and and a lot of it was kind of there because it was like good but not necessarily very well known. Mm. It was interesting. Uh, for me personally, I really enjoyed going and seeing friends of mine play because I just get so hyped up on my friends playing shows. I love it. I like fucking dancing in the front row all the time um and then also it gave me an opportunity to catch a few like kiwi acts that i haven't quite got to see yet like Meroki, amazing phenomenal um and there's a tuesday we already know they're great i hadn't seen them yet got to see them absolutely amazing yeah you were just like gushing about them to me oh they're so great they're so cool and so lovely um and yeah so i think it was it was really really cool to discover acts that i knew of that hadn't, I hadn't seen all in one place. Um, yeah, but in saying that, I already knew of them when I went there. Mm. Um, and I know, yeah, a lot of the punters, you know, they're not there for for music. Um, 
I found the heckling quite bad, um, especially around the main stage. Like people who are being like, oh, like bring back this person or whatever. Um, <laughs> I know, it was pretty rough. It's like, crazy. But in saying that, like they really nailed it with like Saatchi were incredible and the main stage like popped off and broods were phenomenal and um, Bikurunga, so beautiful. Like, yeah, incredible. I'm so glad I, I caught that set. Um, so I don't know, it's, it's hard to gauge because I was in awe of all these people um, and then trying to trying to figure out if the crowd were there for that or not. I, I don't think they were, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Oh, I'll leave, I'll, you know. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had much of the same. Because I, the year that Two Cartoons played, um, we were kind of in that, we were kind of in like the There's a Tuesdays spot, essentially. Yeah. Like we were just a really new um, indie guitar band and people were kind of into it. So we, and, and we had a, a manager, Jason Schroeder, who like worked his butt off mm. and like got us onto the lineup, which was amazing and Played nice and early, and I had never been to RMV before. Um, but we obviously our year it was the world was normal, so we had like mm. huge acts playing, and so I got kind of like a usual RMV experience, you yeah. know. And I think it felt more like a it made a bit more sense than I assume it would have this year because it it felt like a big party with like big acts, like Knife Party was playing, and yeah, like Empire of the Sun and shit were playing. Oh, and, you know, amazing. So like it kind of yeah. felt like. Everyone, they were playing huge radio hits all the, yeah, all the time. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's what was different, I think, is that the New Zealand bands that were big enough could play radio hits, but everyone who wasn't, wasn't, and so people didn't necessarily know the music. Um, but it was very cool to be able to sit up on the hill at midnight and be like, like look over at Theo and people like that and be like, hey, we just played the biggest New Year's festival in the world in the right world. now because of COVID, and like that sucks, but also how cool. Yeah, that was... That was a cool factor, I think. Everyone on New Year's had the unified factor of being like, this is not happening anywhere else yeah. in the world. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. To think of. I heard there was a, a good Ashley Bloomfield oh, the whole time as well. It was so good. I can't even explain. <laughs> like, I'm not into, like, D&B or, like, techno or anything, but holy moly. Like, it, every time it came on, we were like, this is not real. Like, oh, yeah, it's just like the COVID, 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 COVID. <laughs> Like, oh, my God, it was so good. Um, yeah, because the – so I don't know if you know, like, you just said you're not into D&B, so you might not, but, like, um, Sub Focus and Dimension, they're, like, big drum and bass guys from mm. England. They and like Alice in Wonderland's another one. Yeah, I know Alice in Wonderland. Who like went into quarantine. Yeah. And and are now like just in New Zealand yeah. playing all the festivals. Now they're like doing radio shows and like they're gonna be touring. Next guy's another one. Yeah. And to yeah. me that just when I look at the world right now, that kind of model of like, well, and I think there was a comedian, what's his name? Um Russell Howard has just announced he's doing the exact the same thing, but for comedy. Mm. Where we might, I wonder if we might turn into one of those places where, like, well, there's no fucking COVID there. Yeah. I can actually put on the show I want to put on. Um, instead of me sitting around twiddling my thumbs for why these me? bigger guys, why don't I just go and spend my two weeks in quarantine and do like 10 shows up and down the country and do all mm. this crap, you know? That is um, partially my hope and partially my fear, I think. What's the fear part? I would hate for international acts to come over here to try and like 
continue some momentum or like you know do what they can't in the rest of the world and overlook the the huge pool of talent that we have here yeah that's my biggest fear probably sure i can i can see that i mean like I've always seen a bit more of a separation. I feel like the, the, the kids at R&V are being starved and people like you and I can still go see the music we like yeah. every week anyway. It's not yeah. really, most of it wouldn't be for us. I doubt we'd have, because and we'll, I think we'll get onto it, like COVID is, uh, the, the hardest place in music to be is I'm starting to become popular, but I'm not making money anymore. I'm not making money yet. Yeah, none of those artists are going to be able to afford to do the two week quarantine to all the thing and then come and do shows. Definitely. They don't have the radio hits anyway. We're only gonna you're only gonna be getting like the fucking, you know, Ed Sheeran's and U2s and shit anyway. Yeah, in which fine. case you don't really. Yeah, I guess New Zealand X, you yeah. don't even really consider them in that context. No, probably, like Mike and Romance and like mm. we'll come over and a, a few bands will get another opening spot or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like I would really love like. You know, if there's ever a time for someone to bring fucking Ty Siegel over and just get him <laughs> to do like, like, you know, King Gizzard came over here in normal times and did four sold out nights in a row at Whammy. Yeah. So it's, it's, I feel like if it, maybe it's just like we can't throw paint at a wall anymore, mm. but I just feel there is this sense I have that we have a small window of like advantage and opportunity where it's like there's only one country you're going to, be able to go do your shoes, uh, your shows on. Yeah, people are going to be very keen. It's going to be easier to convince. Yeah, some of the people that would have already made sense to now come over and and do that kind of thing, like um, especially for like at collectives. I keep thinking like, imagine if Odd Odd Future or like any or like even Brockhampton, oh, insane. Where they're like, we are one thing, but we have lots of artists within the thing we do as well. I'd, uh, it may, uh, to have them come over and be like, well, we'll do a Brock Hamden show and then like we'll go and just do like a, a show for this guy and a show for yeah, this guy. Yeah, imagine just split off. going. Yes, that would, be, that would be nuts. Fucking sick. We could, uh, New Zealand could be a residency country. It could. Instead of like doing a residency at a club, um, big bands can just come down <laughs> and do a New Zealand residency where they just tour up and down New Zealand. True. For- yeah, oh my gosh, crazy. I know, it's, I, it's, I'm so curious to see how uh, things plan out over the next few years because it is just so different, like. Are you hoping for the bubble with Australia and getting over and doing Australian shows this year? That must be a a, a kind of a thought of yours. It, it's been a thought, um, but I feasibly can't do it independently. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to say no, because I know people that have been like, you know, just picked up or just picked up management or whatever and it's been like a year or so and it's still something they're working up towards, I don't think that it would be feasible for me to do it straight away. I would love to. I don't have enough fans. I could probably do a small room in Melbourne and Sydney, but yeah. Oh, you could definitely do that. Mm. Well, my, um, yeah, a, a company that I work with to release my music is based in Melbourne and I know that they were try- trying to push it a little bit there. So it'll be a little bit. I could do Melbourne, Sydney, maybe, but yeah. New Zealand tour first. Yeah, hopefully. Because you have you ever done the touring thing? Have you ever? No, I think that is one of the things that like I actually just don't have the capacity to do by myself. Like I would have to get a promoter on board or someone on board to help me do that. I think especially because there would be, I mean, you could logistically do it, but yeah, I think like you are gonna have that amount of interest where it's like you will have to start yeah you're like 
there's going to be enough people turning up to those things that you're actually going to have to put some thought into it. It's, it's you know, mm. you're, you're not just a dumbass band being like, we'll see who turns up and let's just fucking send some emails and book a show. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I could, I could do that, but I would try and, I'd try and do it with people that I knew and try and get people I know would come to shows and stuff. Yeah. Do you uh, feel like you're in an awkward part of a music career right now so awkward yeah. like so awkward I've spoken to quite a few people about it recently being like what am I doing like I just feel I feel like I am I feel like I am a tennis ball that someone has like thrown up and I am just hanging in mid-air waiting for something else to like catch me so that we can continue playing kind of thing right like I'm just in this weird limbo phase where I'm like I'm still doing it by myself but should I be but also I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and then on top of that, I'm producing for other people and writing for other people and working. Working full time, right? Yeah, full time. Cafe musician workers. Hospo, shout out. live, shout out <laughs> Ozone. <laughs> um, yeah. And then when, you, when, you, when you've been talking to people, is it, is it like a relatable thing? Like, do you get the sense that this is, this is one of those things you encounter as you grow at this point? Or has I, anyone had any good advice? Is anyone like... Or is it just kind of like, yeah, shit's crazy, man? More of the, yeah, shit's crazy, man. <laughs> like, because, I mean, I guess my other friends in music are all, everyone's on a very unique path. Right. Um, and some of my friends have management. And some of them are on labels and some of them have moved overseas and no one is in the, at the position that I'm at where I have to work full time to live, but I'm still doing all of this stuff as well. Like, I don't know anyone else that's in that position. Um and then on top of that, I've got um, some outside parties being like, why aren't you using your uh, prolific science degrees <laughs> on top of this? And I'm like, I like can't your real, do your like all. Real, life. real degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, hey, you as a person, not as a creative yeah, force. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And no, no one has any advice that I've spoken to so far. Other than like the, the advice I've been given and I do understand that it's good advice if you want to be in the music industry, but I've heard from a lot of people, like I've heard from um, like talks at university and from like producer series talks and stuff was people being like, yeah, man, if you want to make it in the music industry, you just got to like dive off the deep end. Like you just got to like take away all stops. And I'm like, if I take away my job, I'm literally on the street. Like I cannot do that. So what do you want me to do Have now? Have you heard of the housing Yeah, crisis? I'm like, have you heard of my like, you know, $300 rent per week? Like <laughs> not 300 quite, but you know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to just quit my job and try as hard as I can to make money in other ways because there's just no guaranteeing that it would work. No. And I, I can't do that. <laughs> I It just, yeah, it, it really strikes me as like one of those, not a ceiling, but let's say like a, a, a step on the staircase. Mm. Like you've landed on one thing where you've got this, this shit happening mm. and then it's all about trying to somehow get yourself up I guess a ladder is probably the mm. better way than like actually being able to reach the next rung. Yeah. And you've still got all this like heavy weight attached to you of like, I've got to work my job and I've got to do all this stuff. Yeah. And like, it's this real balance of like, I either need to like get rid of some of this weight so that yeah. I can reach higher, but then like that adds other weight on. And then, and then like, I don't actually, I can't actually see the rung. No one's actually showing me yes, where the rung there's is. There's no rung yet. <laughs> I'm like climbing a stairway into the clouds and like slowly, I'm like a rung will like a slowly, 
appear out the bottom. No, it's it's really interesting. Um, but I mean, there are so many artists where this has been the reality, and you hear about it all the time, and you just kind of have to keep going, I guess. Yeah, because I remember, like the uh, the other. It's funny, like I feel like like that analogy is really apt. Like the next step is like in the fog. Yeah, literally can't see. Yeah, and <laughs> and then, like I think everyone listening. You just have to reach. Yeah, we'll have a related, relatable feeling of that, being like, yeah. where the fuck do I go next? Um, and it's funny, like, I think knowing you, I've kind of, it's, I feel like you have mapped out one of those, like, areas that I can, like, I can see, like, the, like you're, you're, you've hit the um, popularity peak where you're like, okay, now what do I do here? Yeah. And the only other one I've seen is that, like, the, the band that, is, which is kind of doesn't exist now I, at the moment, I guess, but the band that, is like we're a live band, we fucking tour all the time. Yeah. And you're touring, but then between touring you come back to a place where you're like, fuck, I've got to get like a kind of a job for now yeah. and a place for now before I like go off on the next tour. Yeah. And that's another one of those areas where you're like, I'm I'm trying to find the next rung. How do we get off and and up from this place we're at now? Mm. It's just so interesting. It's I, a fucked industry, isn't it's it? It's so fucked. I like it's so weird how so many people can view what I'm doing as really cool and really good and like quite progressive and like people in the industry as well who really like what I'm doing and I'm like just working my absolute ass off to even survive still like it's so weird to be like oh yeah I'm actually part of this industry Mm. um is that that imposter syndrome thing a little bit oh man I've been struggling with it so badly but I mean who doesn't (laughs) just being like wow what are you doing, bitch? <laughs> it's also yeah. really, I think it's, a, it's, it's definitely harder here, definitely maybe everywhere, but like when a lot of people don't say all the, like big up or like um, just like shallowly support one another as well, just being like, you know, you are doing like real good shit. Mm. Like just keep doing what you're doing kind mm. of things. I like, am really lucky. I've got very good support from people yeah, and good. people who will be like, I unironically listen to your EP in the car. Like yeah. that's great in itself. Like yeah, I've I, I've got great support, but yeah, I think we could all do better to do that for each other and yeah. call out this imposter syndrome and be like, you need to keep going because this is incredible and like you know. I had um, Dieter Milan of like Church and AP and YKK on mm. last week, and he he calls that giving giving flowers. Oh. He's like, yeah, I was given, you know, it was really nice to give people the flowers they deserve. And I'm like, what is this flowers thing? That's like, cute. Isn't that cute? I, I love get, that. start using it. Yeah, like, yeah, me flowers. too. Shout give out. people flowers. Shout out there. I also actually just really like giving people flowers. So maybe I'll like combine. Where's, what, where's your flower shop? I pick them. You, you just, you steal flowers from people's. Yeah. You fucking thief. <laughs> Sue me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, plants, plants as well? You don't steal plants. I mean, I don't but steal do you like, plants. you like. Plants? Have you ever given people plants? I have. That's pretty next level. Like even people give flowers, but can put someone a plant? Yeah, plant plants are reserved for the uh, like you know mid to inner circle, and and flowers are for everyone. I think for the people with the bland rooms, you're like yeah, I'm like you, you need, need to a spice up your life. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big plant fan. Big plants. Uh, um, so you don't follow me on Twitter. I did. <laughs> You stopped following me on Twitter. I did. I'm sorry. And you, and you said you don't like following me on Twitter because I talk I talk bullshit about. You just really angered me with some takes. Which take? I want to. I want to know. I don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't think. Because um, it's like I think. Yeah, I mean, fair. 
Don't yeah. actually care. Twitter's Twitter's dumb. I know, and you. I, I know it. that I you're just Twitter. like absolutely jousting on Twitter. Like you just. I view it as the place to just say shit out loud and yes. engage the reactions. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I get that from you, but also yeah. the reactions from me were quite strong to the point where I was going on Twitter and being like, I'm going to call Isaac and talk to him about this. And so I had to unfollow you because I, do I like didn't that. need that in my life. <laughs> I do like that. Um, yeah. One of the things that I've been uh, really into and thinking a lot about, and I've been talking about, about it on Twitter is like, we, you did. Did you do music in high school? Yes. Me and Greg talked. Greg Haver, yeah. friend of the podcast. We talked about friend this. Of the so, so you did music in high school. Yes. Did you like it? I loved it. It was my whole life. Why did you? What made your? What made the music curriculum work for you? Well, I don't know if NCA worked for me in terms of because that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, right. Okay. Um, the things I enjoyed were more to do with um, composition and history. Okay. But I don't think the performance elements really worked for me. I found them either really easy or really boring. Or I don't know. I could just get up and sing a song and I'd be done, you know. Um, I ended up switching to piano because it was harder to learn a grade seven or eight piano piece and play it in front of people rather than get up and sing a song. And, and the, is the, grade, the grade thing can be done outside of school. Oh, right? yeah. That's not to do with school. But, like, it's just, you know, gauging how hard that piece is is quite hard. Mm. Um, but I really, really enjoyed doing composition um, I used to score for my high school's orchestra and concert band. Sibelius. Sibelius. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> I hate it. Um, <laughs> and I don't hate it. It's great. But also I do hate it. Um, yeah. So I did that. And I also like sung in the jazz band and I sung in this like pop orchestra that we had where we had a string, a massive string section and a rock band. And I played like keys in the band and then would get up and sing some songs and stuff. And I was... Yeah, just part of all these groups. I was part of like a girls' barbershop. I used to help run that. I used to God, help you run did barbershop. I hell yeah, I did. Fuck yeah, I did barbershop. I love it. I love it. And then I became head of the arts council later on. So like a lot of what I loved about music in high school was extracurricular, but yeah. composition was great. And NCA, I can't remember what the other thing I said. Like history. I wish I got more history. I wish I got more. What do you mean history? Well. In high school, the two main things that I remember is that we studied Stravinsky, who's like a, um, a classical, classical composer. composer. Yeah, who did like a four-part ballet thing. I can't remember what it was called. It's been a long time. Um, but I really enjoyed going through that and breaking down the pieces and the scenes and breaking down the ballet and like, you know, getting to know all of that and motifs and all of that. Um, and, I, and we also did Pink Floyd and Metallica. It was so interesting and I just wish that we had more background into music as a whole over time because that's some stuff that they we did get into at uni and my favourite papers were, um, my, my last paper at uni was on the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the 60s and The Who and the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and that was just so great for me to learn about. Loved it. So did you have a good teacher? At, you know, at No, at high, high school. school and yes. Your music teacher, right. Brilliant teacher. Right. Do you think if you had a bad teacher, you would have still enjoyed music? Mm, Probably not the classes, but I think I probably still would have loved the extracurricular stuff. Yeah. Because I I had it. I mean, she was doing her best, I guess, but Mm -hmm. a horrible experience of like high school music. Like I had, I had to, I had to join barbershop or else I wasn't allowed to do Smoke Free Rock Quest. Right. And our classes were like just, just the curriculum. There was no extracurricular, um, involvement in our music at all so it's like you're just doing what NCEA says is like the music thing mm. and that fucking freaks me out that you know I'm obsessed with music mm. 
and I ha- I stopped doing music in year eleven. Maybe. Really, I fucking hated it. Mm. Nah, I'm I'm super lucky. Like my high school teacher was like my biggest advocate and like was my biggest cheerleader and um they now work at the NZ Music Commission. <laughs> cool. Um yeah, which is cool because now I see him around at events and I'm like, hey, hey, look where I am. Like, <laughs> are you proud of me? Like <laughs> New Zealand yeah. Music Commission's my favorite. Mm, they're great. Um yeah, I because I, I just feel like it's it you 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 and I might have different experiences, but I feel like there's a reason that a lot of the people at RMV and uh, a lot of the crowds in New Zealand um, mm. don't uh, really behave well, not behave well, but aren't really actually into music and art. And I think it's because our curriculums um, benefit a very tiny minority of like really into it musicians. Mm. And what they really need to be doing and would be great for us is if they actually helped develop an interest in music and art and just the and actual general population would be mm. really nice. That's the big, that's what I've been thinking more and kind of talking a bit more about on Twitter and all that stuff. Mm. Because I, I think like that can only benefit everything we do, like bring more people mm. into, um, in, into the audiences, uh, create more demand for different types of music uh, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I agree across a spectrum of things. I reckon... Imagine if we were getting like teenagers and people who are like really starting to form themselves like education on a whole spectrum of things to do with culture, like music and art and like fashion and and history. That'd be amazing. And everyone would be so cool. It'd like, be, and, oh. and, and, and it like makes even more sense when you think about all the things that they're not they're instead of doing that, they're doing all these other things in high school, like mm. um, grammar and maths mm. and all that stuff. Accounting. We have, like, they've become less and less... They've become more and more computerized. Like, my, yeah. I, don't, I don't do maths. I have a till at the cafe that tells me how much change. <laughs> I could if I wanted to because I learned basic maths at primary school. And how weird is that, basic maths? I mean, I am slightly different because I did do some, like, maths and science at university, so yeah. it, like, stems up there. But, yeah, I can definitely see how everyone... You, I mean, I'm, I'm still just coasting off my timetables and, like, plus and minuses, I yeah. don't know. But, like, I think um, back to the, like, crowds not really being into music thing as well is I think a lot of those people that just go and, like, send it on New Year's and, like, go to all these festivals and just get absolutely smashed are just people that don't have friends in music and don't have families in music and don't hang around anyone that does music. And they're just people. They're just people that are, like, yeah. But that's most gigs we play as well. I don't know. Like, nah, mine probably not mine. What, cassette? Even then, probably well, not. You are you. I mean, you make great musical music. Thank you. <laughs> um, are you. You have a lot of musicians who are big fans of yours. That's. I think my biggest fan pool is just other musicians. Well, Silas and I uh, downstairs were actually just talking about that. Like that is, is that is kind of what you want, really. At the Truly. start, that, that's the base of any. Um, long-term career in the music industry is, is having yes. some kind of musician base. And that only changes if you have a radio hit and well, the general population then hears it. Am I wrong in that? I don't think you're wrong. I think you're partially right. I think there are instances mu- much more recently, though, of bands who have come about who 
just have like everyone from their high schools and everyone from university and like everyone that they know coming to gigs and packing out stages. There was one band at R&B, I'm not going to say who it was, but their stage was just packed for like a six o'clock slot. And a lot of the people I was talking about uh, talking to were like we don't need another band like this like in the music industry they were just going like Meh, like Meh, yeah they're but, fine yeah so where will they be in five years yeah I, I mean they could be somewhere though you never know you know maybe <laughs> there's always a possibility so but like that's the whole thing there's always these scenes like Dunedin's a real classic one yeah Dunedin's an interesting anomaly where like you can you can have like a scene that happens and it can really kick off big in the front end because of the student population. Mm. And time after time, you see those scenes, they kick out of Dunedin and they, they carry on they, with that, um, that huge energy wave. And then they start falling off and falling off and falling off. And maybe one or maybe two of the acts from that scene who were the musician-y ones of that scene anyway have that longer career. Yeah, isn't that how everything goes, though? I like, don't know, If you're man. truly passionate about it, those are the people that are going to be in it for life. Who, who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I think it, yeah, it, it's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. I wanted to ask you um, what you thought I'm the most wrong about. Uh, <laughs> the most wrong about... Um, I don't think you're wrong... You're being so tender with me. I know. That's <laughs> so kind. Oh, I'm trying to be. I'm, I'm asking you because I feel like you're like, uh, I, you have the same kind of uh, viewpoints and intentions and things as me, but you're in a slightly different position in, yes. in the same world. So it's really nice to hear. I think, I don't think you're wrong, um, but I don't think the way that you're framing some questions is very productive. I think you need to really like, talk to the people in charge of the things you want to know. Mm, that's the plan. Yeah, I know that's the plan. But yeah. I think that you're outspoken until you do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, be quiet until I know something. No, I'm not saying be quiet. I'm just saying why not pose a question rather than being like, blah, like, you know, rather than slamming things before you know what's actually going on. I know. Me just All I straight up calling Isaac out on his uh, own no, podcast. It, you're, not, you're not saying anything that I'm I don't know not already. To. Yeah. I would say I do that because it's fun. Not because it's productive. On the way to being productive. But don't you, like, if you want to make a difference in the music industry, which I know that you do because you talk about it with everyone, it's literally what you're doing. Well, not necessarily, but just figuring it out, you know, getting people the information they need, all that kind of stuff. Like, don't you not want to piss off the people that you're trying to get info out of? I don't want to make a difference. I want to make something different. I, I, I kind of, I actually but, want to leave everything that I don't, yeah. Okay, I get, I get what you're saying. I want to build, I think, I, yeah, because... I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. And I know that, like, I know that the way that we're going to make change is not by, like, being all, um, I was about to say, um, what were you passive, say? <laughs> but I was going to say flaccid instead. <laughs> flaccid works. Like, we, we don't want to be all, like, flaccid slash passive what about how just, we do I'm it. Ju I'm, just the, I'm just rock hard. Just oh, no, stop. No, no, I don't want it. Um... <laughs> um yeah, we don't want to not be aggressive about it because nothing will change. And I do, I know that you, that's what you think as yeah. well. Like, I know you think you're going to have to like force your way in there. And I don't disagree, but I do disagree with pissing people off because <laughs> I think it's going to shut doors in your face that you probably want to keep open. 
Look at you. Yeah, but what's it going to achieve if you piss everyone off? I don't Nothing get... other than a group of pissed off people and you not talking to them. Uh, well, a group of... A, a group of... A, a pissed off group of people. A group of pissed off people. <laughs> <laughs> in a room I never want to spend any time in doesn't change my life. No, but it won't change anyone else's either. But uh, I think what I've discovered so is then that, being no one else, or... that we don't need to be in that room. I think that's my whole thing. And, and this is why I asked that question because I, it's really... Int- I I just don't want to be specific on a podcast. Yeah. You I can like, tell. I like that. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. This is why we're like, we're a good team. Yeah, we are. Because I'm too specific on the podcast. You are. And I'm, I'm like, like, we should tone stop funding this down exact person. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I, I guess like part of it, yeah. I mean, I like it. It, it, it is really fun to say things that uh, people might think that you shouldn't say. Yeah. I, I, that's the Irish family part of me where it's like, I like to tease and make fun of people. Yes. And also I was going to say like a lot of my reactions to this are my like good little, don't ever disturb anyone child she, background. Lavina is doing the cutest little dance on the, on the couch. <laughs> I'm like just that. being a very good girl over here. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? I think like I don't know if I'll make any change or what change I want to make. I don't know if anyone will make, I don't know what will fucking change, but there's hardly been any parts in life where only one person with one idea of what should change has actually been the change that happened. I it's, agree. it's an amalgamation of, I, I guess this is the difference. I see, I see it as like a collective thing where people like you and me and like a bunch of other people in our mm. peer group, I would say, are all going to agitate on different levels for different kinds of change. Yeah. And it's going to land somewhere in the middle. And I guess my whole role I see myself in is I, there's no one that... No one's in your role. There's no one doing the there's role. There's no one in your role. There's no one in my role. And there's no one in my role. And there's no one in, you know, the band who's playing every weekend at Whammy's role. Like, we've all got our own things to do, I think. That's what I'd actually, I'd like to, I did want to talk about. And I think I do talk to a lot of people about you. Mainly because... You do. Yeah. I'm sorry to the listeners. And, and like, even today at, at Crumb... Um, uh, just having the playlist of I think I had like my favourite songs of 2020 playlist going and like there's like three Lavina songs <laughs> in here and, and, and they, they all come on and Millie's like are you just listening are you trying to remind <laughs> yourself of her music before you talk to I'm like I know the fucking music mate <laughs> but um, I, I, bringing up the, the whole role thing is I think part of why I'm so invested in what you're doing is because I do think the role you fill in New Zealand music and the stuff you're doing is kind of unique. It's a, it's not very well done all the time. And it's a bit awkward, not awkward, but like a bit lofty maybe. And it'll probably like make you feel a bit weird about it. But like, it, it's kind of the role that I saw like Lord fill into and fill. That it, it's pop music that musicians can really like because it's got this, it's, it's got the best of both worlds in it. It's mm. not dominated by one or the other. Yeah, and and for me, like as a musician, it's the, again, it's one of the rare pop things I actually really like. Yeah, and I like. I think that can't, that's a natural thing for you, and Thank I think that you. that's what I like so much about your shit. You know, thanks. There's no one else doing that for me. There's no one else doing that role quotation marks around. I think I find. Um I find that to be a reason to keep going is because I don't hear anyone else doing what I'm doing and I don't want to do anything else I hear other people doing. Right. 
And I'm like, well, if no one's doing what I'm doing and I don't want to do what other people are doing, I'm going to keep doing the thing that I am doing. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's why I still do it. But I mean, you know. Because you do still do it. I mean, like we said, you work a full-time job. Yeah. You're independent. <laughs> You're making music for yourself with other people. You're mm. with other people making music for other people. It's a lot. Like, and you you, tr- you you have some semblance of a social life. I do. Which is I'm really nice. I'm proud of myself. I'm really proud of you also. But I am, like, I just worked at an eight-hour shift. I've come here to do this. I'm we, going yeah. out for dinner. with Socialising. Amazing. Oh and then God. I'm going home to write, like, six invoices. <laughs> And like that, uh, you have to have something. You have to have something in it for yourself to do that day after day. Yeah. You know. I'm. It's so cliche, but like the feeling you get when you either write a new good song that's really good, or you like perform something that just went like incredibly, or like getting a message from someone saying that something you did really made an impact like those three feelings are like better than any drug hit like they're so incredible yeah i agree and i guess i just keep going to find those little moments and also i am really passionate about music in new zealand and in the world and writing it and crafting it and um getting women into it and like people women identifying into it um and that's the other thing i guess but yeah i don't know if it's even about me i think it's just about making other people feel stuff and also just encouraging a creative community. Yeah. That's all I care about. You're very good. You're almost like a standout supporter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Shout out me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really happy you can feel like shout out you because, you you know, you're doing great. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's yeah. the good. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you do need like a, a PR agent. Somebody's just going to. I need help. Hey, well, I'll just keep, you know, uh, you, 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 you keep the tips, uh, the, the money rolling in and I'll keep mentioning you on every podcast. <laughs> wink, wink. Good work. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah I'll yeah, go slice little, some under the table. Those little yeah. kickbacks. Yeah, just nice. like, it was really nice, like, uh, having the interview music thing with Charlotte and, and, and you know, all, they all knew about you and listened to your music. Which and, is funny because I've not spoken to Charlotte, I, but they would have known because they did the video premiere. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I know. That's that's what I was saying. Like, it does feel like things are slowly picking up because I, I went to introduce myself to someone who came to get a coffee at my cafe the other day, and I was like, "Hey, like we've met at like some shows. I kind of know what you do." And they were like, "Yeah, I've seen you play." And I was like, "Oh, oh, where? Oh, oh, okay." And then I was like, "Okay, well, do you want it flat white? Like, okay, cool." Uh, that was really weird, but yeah, people are starting to know me who I didn't realize knew me. It's happening. I don't know. But also maybe it's happening a little bit. A little bit. Something's happening. Not sure what. Not sure and Don't what? know where it's going. No. And I, like, I'm really happy that that's what this uh, conversation's turned into because I think so many musicians and independent musicians are going to listen to this and be like, oh, okay, that this is a kind of normal, like, yeah, this is a normal thing, not to necessarily know exactly. What, either what I'm doing or where I'm going next other than like I want to go somewhere yeah and I know it's been the story for not just me but so many other friends of mine um the interesting thing though is that as we've gotten older I've seen things click into place for all of them in certain ways and I'm still just like waiting for my first like click where something's like okay cool now I can do this for the next five years you know mm. like right now I'm just like mm. <laughs> You're, you're, you're trying to make it in a pandemic. 
Yeah, literally. How? How do you, what? What do you mean? How? Instagram streams, bro. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck right off. Um, Lavina, do you have any plugs? I'm sure you've got stuff coming out or you've, you're doing stuff. I have things coming out, but I'm wondering, one of them involves someone else and I don't think it's... Public yet. Public yet. Mm. Um, but it's very cool. Plug. Um, I guess just keep watching because I've got lots coming out this year. I've got like a music, another music video. I'll have another EP. I will most likely be playing more shows and I would love to have an audience. So please come. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> You're being formally invited <laughs> by me personally to come and watch me play. And it's always a good time. Yes. Um, thank you for being on the podcast again. <laughs> Thanks for having me it's, again. <laughs> and it's a much, you know, the couch is much more comfy. Yeah. Point in Studios is beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. New wooden floor. It's very hot. It's like probably it's 30 degrees up here. Fuck Auckland, honestly, yeah, in January. It's disgusting. It's yeah. the worst. Um, let's just go get cold and chill out. Nice. <laughs> no, nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. New episode every Sunday, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Yeah, bye. Ha, <laughs> ha,